Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Said, I don't know. And there's a healthy mo- there's a healthy I don't know. There's times where you have to say, I do not know why that tragedy happened. But I refuse to believe it's because God uh, wanted it to happen. Or I refuse to believe that God caused tragedy. You know, I refuse to believe that God uh, can't heal anymore because of that tragedy. Like, there's a healthy thing where you just say, I don't understand on this side of eternity why that happened, but I'm going to continue to say, My God is good. My God is a healer. My God is just. My God is powerful, right? And, and continue to believe these biblical truths. A lot of times, uh, the, the, the church worldwide throughout history, we've done a really a bummer job with hard questions. And that's what I love about the revivalist people is they took hard questions and they either overcame them or they still went after God in the midst of them. Whereas throughout church history, there's a lot of moments when unfortunately the church uh, as a whole gave some bummer answers where people said, why am I not getting healed? And then people say, oh, you must have sin in your life. That's why, right? I've had this where I, I for a long time, I, uh, I basically... I have, I have multiple like physical ailments. Like I, a lot of people don't know, but I have constant ringing in my ears just all the time. And I've always had it as a kid. I thought everybody had it. And then when the doctor, when I talked to the doctor about it, he's like, you hear ringing? I was like, don't we all, (laughs) right? Like I just, you don't, right? And for a lot of times, uh, there's some people like, well, maybe you just need to repent of some stuff and then God will finally heal you. And I repented of everything I could possibly think of and I still didn't get healed, right? So then the bummer was that then a lot of times people, they'll say, well, maybe it's because you don't have faith. Jesus said, Jesus said that your faith has made you well. So obviously you're not well because you don't have enough faith. And then I'm all condemning myself. God, help me for my faith, right? And for years, I just believed, well, maybe one day when my, when my faith level hits like 100 points and I've earned enough faith points, then maybe I'll get a breakthrough and I'll finally get rid of this sound in my ears, right? And, and finally, God spoke to me and just said, no, you have faith for it. You've seen deaf people get healed. Like, you have enough faith. That's not why, you know? And so, and I continue to say, God, if I don't have faith, help my unbelief, help me to grow. But that's not a reason why I'm not getting healed, right? And, and so it's not because I have sin in my life. It's not because I, I'm, you know, I have a lack of faith, you know, uh, maybe then the third one comes in. Well, Paul said that thing about a thorn just being stuck in his side. Maybe this is just the thorn I will forever have in my life, you know? And I came to terms with that and I was like, I'm just forever going to hear ringing. Like, it's okay. It is okay. This is my burden. This is my cross to bear, right? And yeah, it keeps me humble, right? And, and, and then I had someone totally rebuke me and basically just say, like, that's ridiculous for you to think that God just wants you to have this, this, this pain forever. 
you know? And they, they, they challenged me to say, no, do you believe? Yes, maybe you'll live your whole life with it. But every time someone calls out ear healing, are you willing to still raise your hand and say, now's my moment. Maybe this is the moment I get healed. And so I still haven't been healed, but I believe that one day I will. Either it'll be the day when I see Jesus face to face, or maybe if even if I'm 90 years old and then I get healed and I'm like, huzzah, it happened, right? You know, like, I don't know, but I know it is gonna be for a pointed moment of glory when God will get the greatest amount of glory for the healing to break out right then. And I, I don't know why I'm in the waiting period, you know, but I know it's coming, right? And maybe it'll come when I get to heaven. I don't know, but I know my God's a healer and I refuse to change my theology because of a hard question I can't answer, right? And so there's a healthy, I don't know. I don't know why I'm not getting healed, but I know when I do, God's gonna get glory, right? And I will still give him glory right now right? And I have this assignment. Anyone who has ear problems, I'm praying for them. They will get healed. Devil, you're going to be so bummed that I have this ailment because I'm going to see healing break out in this area, right? And so revivalists are people who they're not afraid of those hard questions. And they're not afraid just to say, I don't know sometimes. And so tonight, what we wanted to do to kind of conclude our series is give you an opportunity to ask questions. Uh, we didn't just want to preach at you for 40 minutes. We wanted to give you an opportunity to have a conversation. And so what we're going to do is in a moment, I'm going to invite up the different crux leaders, the ones who this whole semester, they've been really pouring into you guys as leaders. And we're going to give you an opportunity to write down just whatever you want, whatever you want to ask. It could be about relationships. It could be about uh, things you don't understand. It could be about gifts of the spirit. It could be about uh, just advice or, or whatever. You can write down whatever it is uh, no shame or anything like that. And, and we want to take us, try to answer it. And I want to tell you though, there might be some where we say, I don't know. Let's figure it out together. Right? Because the important thing though, is that we don't just fake it and pretend like that question never existed. You know, like we, we'll actually address it, but we might say, I don't know, because this is family and we're willing to be vulnerable with each other. Uh, another thing is that we might have different opinions. Oh no. You know, there's certain things, there's certain things in the Bible that are very clear to be a Christian. It means this, you know, Jesus is God and that you're saved by grace, not by works. Anything else is like, I'm sorry, you're not, you're not a Christian anymore. Like, <laughs> you know, I really like the saved by grace. I don't think Jesus is God though. Like, no, now you're in another religion, you know? So, but within that, those are two hard things. There's also things like don't murder. Like that's a non-negotiable, right? We're like, I'm sorry if you think it's okay. The Bible's very black and white about this. Like that is wrong, you know, <laughs> right? But there might be some things that honestly, like it's a gray area. We're not sure. And so we give you our opinions like, for example, like the end times. I can tell you my opinion. I know for sure my opinion is different than David's opinion. We've talked about this, right? But, but, right? There's some amazing leaders in the body of Christ who have different opinions. And the Bible's not completely clear on it. The important thing is the Bible doesn't say you'll be known by your end time theology. It says you'll be known by your love for one another. So like, the, <laughs> so like my ability to stay unified with someone who has a different opinion than me preaches more than me creating a little denomination of I, this is everyone who believes what I believe, right? And so you're allowed to be on staff with people and have different opinions about some th theological things as long as you keep those core issues the same, the black and white things, right? So I want to tell you, I might give you an answer and then David might take the mic and be like, in all due respect, I have a different opinion, you know? And like that is okay, that is actually desirable. That's awesome, you know? And so that's why tonight, 
I just want to set that as a groundwork so that's not like, someone agreed with Pastor Taylor. What do I do? Like, this is awkward. No, like, that's great. Totally okay, <laughs> right? So, and I also, if, if there's a moment when we say, I don't know, I'm just going to give us the freedom to say, I don't know, and we'll figure it out. Everyone can tell when you're just making up stuff, right? Like, like you know, the, the, the whole classic politician thing. You ask them a question, they talk for five minutes with all these eloquent words, and then you realize, they didn't even answer the question. Everyone's like, well said, well spoken, you know? And then, but anyone who actually thinks about their answer is like, that didn't make any sense at all. They just talked in circles for a while. So I would rather you be honest. I'll have more respect for you if you just say, you know, I don't know. Let's try to figure it out, <laughs> you know? So I give you, we're going to have permission to do that tonight as a family, okay? So can I get the Crux leaders up here? Woo! Give it up for these guys. These guys, they have sown into you. They have spent this semester pouring their hearts into you, okay? And so basically, uh, the way this is going to work is we are going to take these right here. These little questions. Take one down. There you go. You get the first one. There, oh, okay, cool. I was going to give you the first one, but there you go. <laughs> okay, and basically, uh, there's pens in the back of your seat, okay? And you can write basically anything that you want. So whatever it is, uh, a couple, can I give you guys, hold on real quick, guys. I know you're just so excited, okay? Um, can I, a couple, couple ground rules real quick. One, I'm going to say like, like just do questions that everyone can answer. Like there's like there there's there's sometimes there's these questions that, that you get from somebody. For example, a good question, like how far is too far in a relationship? Like, oh cool, let's talk, let's let's talk about that. Sure, let's talk about that. A bad version of that question is when it's like this whole thing, like, so my girlfriend and I have different boundaries and we're not sure to do, and we argue about it all the time. And that's it. And I'm like, is that a question? What are you asking? What is this? And the reason I'm saying this is because I've done this a bunch of times and this happens. So I'm just trying to give you some like, try to like ask a question, you know? And so, so that, and then also I'm going to say like, try to do questions. There should be pens in the back of your seats if you guys, if not, Brianna's got some right there. Uh, another, another, another thing, uh, we're just going to say like, not, not personal ones where it's like, you know, why is Dominic so amazing? You know, I'm sure, we can talk about that, sure. But, like, like, let's talk about ones that we really want to, like, you know, learn as a family, you know, theology things, okay, or, or whatever you want, okay? Is that cool, guys? So go ahead, take some, uh, I don't know, take, like, a minute or two, and then basically go ahead and write down whatever question you want. And these are going to be our little, um, our little, oh, we have a question about the questions, yes. No, I mean, you can have multiple pieces of paper. I would say do it on separate pieces of paper so we draw one, and it's like, I just drew 10 questions, you know? Yeah, yeah, that way it's not overwhelming to us, okay? And then we'll, we'll put it in these. These come up here, put them in here when you're done, guys. Come put them in. These are our little jars of truth right here, okay? You can come up here and put them in there. Put them in the, the jar of truth right there, okay? When you have the question. Yes. Uh, yeah, you can totally do it anonymously, so you don't need to be, <laughs> this question comes from Johnson, and Johnson wants to know, you know, no, no, you just, you don't need to put your name, I'm probably not going to call out names, you know, it's a, it's like an awkward question, I'm like, thanks, man, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that, <laughs> all right, <laughs> awesome, if only we had the Jeopardy music, we could play, oh, sorry, 
yeah, yeah. I think, well, we'll do it in a second. They're pretty focused. Into the jar of truth right in the front. <laughs> I just, you like that? I made it up right now. The jar of truth. No, I should have got a game show and we had a wheel we could spin and be like, oh, do we do a light question, medium question, or awkward question, or hard question? Spin the wheel. Welcome to Crux's first, <laughs> first episode on the Revivalist panel. Today's episode is called Real Talk. We're going to get real tonight and we're going to talk about it. <laughs> Tonight's episode is sponsored by The Crux <laughs> Hosted at Summit Christian Church Yes Find us on The Cruxcast <laughs> It's true that, actually, that, that was true You can find us on The Cruxcast Real talk Real talk This guy gets it <laughs> Real talk yeah. Alrighty, guys. So keep doing the questions. What we're going to do is I'm going to just introduce our panel tonight, okay? So we're going to ask some quick questions. Uh, we're going to ask, first off, we're going to ask, what is your name? And we're going to ask, what, what's a fun question? I'm going to ask the audience on this one. What is a fun question? <laughs> He's like, what is your end time theology? No, more like, what's your favorite ice cream or your favorite toothpaste? There you go. Favorite animal. Okay, so let's just say, I'm just going to say right now, uh, we're going to go with your favorite toothpaste. Favorite toothpaste. No, it doesn't have to be use it. I mean, I can't afford my favorite toothpaste because it's like, it's so good, but it's not, I don't know if it's worth 10 bucks, you know, so. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Name and favorite toothpaste. So my name is Lauren and my favorite toothpaste is Colgate. Hey, okay, okay. Awesome. Very cool. Okay, different one. So we're going to say name, and we're going to say uh, favorite ice cream. My name's Emily, and chocolate is my favorite ice cream. Classic. Classic. Okay, here we go. Name and favorite animal. My name is Dominic, and my favorite animal is a shargle, which is a, an eagle and a shark, because they're equally my favorite, so it's a shargle. You're going to get some fun answers tonight. <laughs> All right, here we go. So we need more. What's another question, guys? First, that could be deep. It could be real deep. Favorite food. Here we go. Name and favorite food. My name's Joel. I would say my favorite food would be homemade Persian food. Whoa! No, that's a deep Can't you, like, only get that in Persia? No, you can have Persian No. No. So it depends, it depends on... Uh, how good your Persian friend's mom's cooking is. Oh, so you have to find a Persian friend whose mom is from there and cook it. I gotta try this. I've never had that before. Wow. Okay, here we go. So, name and question. State of origin. Favorite country? Besides America, okay? So, no. <laughs> what is your favorite country in your name? My name is David Knox, and my favorite country besides America is Israel. 
Hey, okay. All right, awesome. Look at we're getting biblical already. That's awesome. All righty, guys. Did everyone have enough time? Okay, so we add some of these, okay? And so now, this is your jar of truth. Okay, so what we're going to do, yeah, this is the game show. The jar of truth. Okay, so uh, what we're going to do is if you have another question, uh, there's plenty of these up here. If you have another question as we're talking, uh, you are totally free to walk up and put it into our, our second jar of truth or, or whatever, okay? feel I don't know, okay? So you're totally free, or I'll just keep it in this one. There you go, another jar of truth. Okay, and so basically... Oh, another one. There you go. Okay. So you're always welcome to come up and put it into here, okay? And, and also, can we have can we have some people come sit in the front row? This thing is empty. Come on. You can't have a game show where the front row is empty, right? There you go. Meet a new friend right here. There you go. Come on up. There you go. Okay. Awesome. Alrighty, guys. So here we go. I'm gonna pull out a couple of these. Do we have any other, any other ones that are coming up? All right. What's up? I'm good. Yeah. Well, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Alrighty. So here we go. So, our first question of the night, Drew, right here, okay? Here we go. First question on your first episode of Real Talk, okay? Here we go. Is it a good thing? There we go. No. <laughs> Is it a good thing to pray for your future spouse? Or, or is it better to not worry about it and to not pray for it? So, I'm going to go ahead and ask the panel, what do you think? Emily? Well, so she's married, so she has authority in this area. So, here we go. Um, so, I think yes, but I wanted to share, like, instantly what came to mind was my story with that is um, what I had, like, for probably a long time, I had this, like, very distinct picture of what I thought a husband should be and what I thought I wanted out of a husband. Um, <laughs> and then God came in and said, you're actually wrong and I'm going to change everything that you think. And this is what it actually should be. Um, and so I like, I think that when you're like, it's good to pray for your spouse, but I think if you're single and you're not like, there's nothing in your future, like that you can see right there, don't spend too much time dwelling on it because it gets like, you can let it get in the way. And that's like the biggest thing is positioning your heart right, saying, God, like, I'm abandoning this to you and I'm surrendering this to you, but I'm going to pray and believe for, for them and for what I'm asking for. But also being open to like, there's like a balance of like standing and believing for what you really want and testifying to that. And I have friends who've like made lists and been like, oh my gosh, God answered everything on my list. But then I also know people who are like, where God, where I was like, what I had thought I wanted in a spouse was, was not what God had for me. And what God actually had for me was way better. And when he started transitioning my heart and realizing that, and then I met Dominic and I'm like, oh dang, like, okay, what God's plans has for us are actually way better than the plans we have for ourselves. I don't know if that makes sense. So like, yes, there's like, a, I think there's a balance there. And I think that finding that balance for yourself and making sure to not like spend all your time praying and believing on it because then you become obsessed and then it's like, it's not healthy. If that makes sense. Cool. Okay. Anyone else want to answer that? Yeah, I can jump. Yeah. 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 
Um, <clears throat> I can definitely agree with uh, what Emily said because as someone who's single, like, there was a time period where I was, like, constantly praying for my future husband, like, every day. Like, God, like, uh, I pray that he's doing this, and I pray he's like this, and that he makes this amount of money, and all this stuff. And, like, there was a moment where I realized most of my prayers were about him instead of actually praying to God. Like, so, like, I went through this time now of just, like, okay, God, like, when I feel the prompting to pray about my future husband, I'll do it. But if not, like, I don't focus on it. So just like what Emily said, like, there, there needs to be that balance where you're not consuming your whole time and energy and, like, prayers on him. But, like, you know, having that balance. That's awesome. All right, give it up for our panel there. Yeah, no, I think that was awesome. I think it's definitely a both and. I think it's unhealthy to be like, I will never pray before, the, you know. But then it's also unhealthy to be obsessed with it, you know. So pray like just what they said, pray for the Lord for your future spouse, you know, that they would love the Lord, that, that you would know when you see them, that they would, you know, you can even be like, oh, just wherever they are, give them a good day today, you know, like, right? But yeah, but don't become obsessed about it, right? You know, I think, I love what you guys said. I think it's totally a good balance right there in the middle. All right, awesome. Here we go, guys. You guys ready for next question? All right, I just pulled out a bunch here I'm kind of looking at. Here we go. How do you let go of your past? Oh, we just went deep. Oh, snap. Anyone on the panel have the answer for us? Anyone? Anyone? David? David raised his hand first, and then Dominic. All right, guys. So I think sometimes it depends on how you define past. I find that when past has something to do with sin or doubting the Lord, when it's something negative, the fastest way to get rid of those things, the way to put off sin in your life is actually to put on love. And when you choose to put on love, that sin actually just comes off. That when you choose to live in the moment and you choose to actually be present with God and be present with your friends and your community, that a lot of that stuff starts to melt away. And I think there are times where we need to process through some of those things, but I actually think it's more important to focus on what God is doing in your heart right then and there. And if it's really something that you need to process in healing, as you're seeking community, as you're seeking mentors, and you're seeking Jesus, the things that engage your mind spiritually in the moment, it's actually going to lead you to processing through that moment when the community is there, when the mentors are there, when the pursuing after Jesus and the hunger for his presence is there. Because if you try to process without hunger, without community, without mentors, it's going to be a lot harder and sometimes not even healthy. So pursue Jesus and to get rid of that stuff, just put on love and it comes off. So good. So, so good. Dominic, did you have an answer too? Awesome. Uh, so this, this question is really loaded uh, because our past can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Um, but I think just generally a uh, really good thing to realize is like one of the healthiest things to do with our past um, is to give it to the Lord. You know, if the past is one that has sin all over it, then the, thing, the function for that is to repent. You know, if there was a lot of trauma or a lot of just hard, hard stuff, then community seeking like some of that inner healing is really good. Um, but I think as far as moving past it, another really good strategy is to remind yourself of what the Lord says about you today and your future. Um, instead of dwelling on the past and dwelling about how do I fix myself from all this stuff or how do I run away from all this stuff, Lord, what do you say about me today? Uh, because I came to you in a repentance already. I came into community for help. Um, and as far as I know, like you say, you're not remembering my sin right now. You're not holding it against me. You actually put it as far as the east is from the west, which is like, really far away, <laughs> you know, so what can I do today to let go of the past and to really embrace what do you say about me, Lord, today and tomorrow? 
Um, and especially if, if your past is right at your heels, you know, if it's nipping at you, if you're, if you're really going into a new chapter right now and you're still battling stuff, a really great way to do that, if you're having trouble um, hearing what the Lord is saying about you or reminding yourself what he says about you now and in the future, um, get in the word, but also really, really try to surround yourself with the people that call that out on you. Because um, there's been seasons in my life where I've battled with a lot of hurt or stuff in my past and like literally surrounding myself with people like Pastor Taylor that call out who I am and who the Lord's made me to, to be, uh, even when I don't always believe it, or I'm judging myself based on past and he's judging me based on future, um, like, like the Lord does, <laughs> you know? And so uh, I would really say with past and moving past it, uh, focus on what he says about you in the present and the future, not the past. That's good. That's awesome. So good, guys. Give it up for those guys. Come on. That was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah, and I, I would just say, uh, summing up kind of what they're saying too is just, too quick, I would say there's a moment of an instantaneous, like, I am justified with the Lord. But the minute you repent and you give your past to God, uh, whether it was a tragedy and you were the victim of it, or whether you were the one who did something bad, both times you need to be able to say, God, I surrender and I give this to you. And in that moment, you know, you're justified in the Lord's eyes. But then there's a second part, which is the renewal and the walking out right? So there's an instantaneous boom. I am cleared before God. And then there is a walking out and walking in the victory and choosing when condemnation knocks on your door and says like, remember your past. You have to be like, no, no, no. I was forgiven of that. You know, and you have to reinforce it. It's like if a kid threw a baseball through a window, right? He, and then he has to go to his dad and be like, oh man, dad, I'm sorry. Right. But if 10 years later, the kid's still saying, dad, I'm really sorry about what I did to that window. There's a moment when the dad is like, dude, I forgave you. Like, come on, man. Like you need, every time you say my dad's still mad at me about the window, you need to stop and be like, no, he forgave me about the window. You know, like there's a moment where you have to say, my dad forgave me. And so I'm going to choose to walk it out and renew my mind, you know? And you can do that with the community, everything they talked about. So that's so good. Way to go, guys. All right, here we go. You guys ready for a real deep one? And then I'll try to give you a lighter one after us. Is that, is that good? Real deep? Like submarine going down? Okay. Okay. Not an airplane going down, right? Submarine. Like we're going deep. Okay. So this one, uh, multiple people asked this, but it was kind of in the, um, kind of the same question. So I'm just summarizing up. But basically, someone said, uh, you know, why do trials occur and why, why does suffering happen? So I think main, really the main question is, why do bad things happen? You know, a lot of times there's even that question, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, or why, why, do, we have, why do we suffer? What, what, what causes this? Someone else asked, saying that they had a friend who was constantly asking them, well, if God exists, why do bad things happen? You know, and what do they, how do they reply to that? You know? So think about it, ponder for a second, and then if you have an answer, hit your buzzer. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not trying to trivialize it. Um, uh, I think, again, like <laughs> trying to have a quick statement for a very complex idea, but I think that it kind of boils down to the whole problem of pain. If we have an all-loving and all-powerful God, why does evil exist? <laughs> you know? um, and I think a really, really great answer for that is that so love can exist. Um, you know, like we believe with the Bible that the Lord created heaven and earth and that he created a perfect garden and perfect relationship with man um, and woman. <laughs> and uh, the thing that he chose to give us was free will. You know, so that love by design is something that is a choice and not commanded. 
Uh, there's a reason we're not these weird, obedient robots. <laughs> you know, there's a reason that, because he actually wanted to have a relationship. You know, and, and the thing is, when we have the ability to choose to love, we, ch we can also choose not to love. We can also choose disobedience. We can also choose sin. Um, and the wages of sin is death. The wages of, the, the consequences of that decision are for sin to enter the world, to battle a really real enemy, to deal with the repercussions of choosing not to stay in perfect relationship uh, with the Lord. Um, and I think that a lot of the ramifications of suffering, pain, and sin kind of trickle out from that main decision of the Lord created us and designed us to have free will and to be able to choose to love because that is what love is. Love is a choice. And God is love. <laughs> um, yeah. So one of the things that I think it's important to, to really consider is really just, man, was this God's intention from the very beginning? You know, because I think there's a way that you can start to look at the world and see it as like, I think the way that Jesus has brought the most glory is actually if humanity falls into sin and God decides to send his son. And so there's this real moment where we can, like Taylor was saying, because of the, how we see our experience, we can bring our theology down and start to say, maybe this is the strategy that Jesus gets brought the most glory. But like Dominic was saying, I would say to you that the reason that humanity fell was because of the free will that God offered them as a gift. And I think it's important to realize that it was not God's intention that humanity would ever fall or fall into that sin, even though it is the way that he's brought the most glory. I think the way that we see God magnified so amazingly through man's failure and Jesus's redemption is just evidence of God's goodness and his powerful ability to redeem. We've taken God's ability to turn a bad situation into something beautiful, into a theology that God sends bad situations into our lives because he's that good at turning them around. So make no mistake, James 1, I think it's verse 13, it talks about how if any man is tempted, you know, he should not say that I'm being tempted by God, you know. And so I don't think that the temptations in our life are coming from Jesus Christ. I really think that his ability to turn those situations around for his glory does not reflect him intending them to happen to us in the first place. It simply shows his supreme goodness and his ability to turn things around. That if we make one decision to trust him, he can turn every darkness and every place of death in your life into a place of life. Boom. Checkmate. <laughs> that was awesome. Come on, give it up for them, guys. That was awesome. That's awesome. All right. All right. I promise you I would give you a really lighthearted question. So thank you to whoever wrote this, okay? Um, here we go. The question is, were there actually dinosaurs? <laughs> any, uh, any takers here? <laughs> were there really dinosaurs? There's fossils, so obviously there have to be, but I don't know. That's all. <laughs> all right. Okay. One word answer. Fossils. Okay. Yeah. Um, in Job, I think it is, it talks about this. There's this word, um, that's translated as Leviathan. And it's, and I think even uh, he writes about it and he talks about fire coming from its mouth. And like it breathes fire. And it's just this massive beast that we don't see today. So we do know that there are, there were animals, beasts, whatever you want to call them, back then that existed that we don't see today. Could be a dragon, could be, you know what I mean? It could be, it, it, so that's something to ponder. And then the fossils, you know, so. Uh, I would say, I would say yes. I would say, yeah, that's great, awesome guys, and uh, yeah, yeah. We have another, we have a question. Uh, yeah, real quick, go for it. Yeah. So you guys are 
There you go. And if you it also, also if you look at the ark, they say if you look at the schematics of the ark, there would have been plenty of room for dinosaurs to be on it. Just saying. All right. Anyway, anyway. If you look at the schematic, no, no, fossils. There you go. All right. So, <laughs> all right. So here we go. Uh, let's go. I'm looking for one a little bit deeper. Okay. Let's go. Let's see. Oh well, maybe this is. Yeah, this is a little different. Diff- not much deeper, but a little bit. Okay, what is the difference between Pentecostal and Charismatic? Or are they one and the same? What's the difference between Pentecostal and Charismatic? He said clothing, is what he's saying. <laughs> okay, Pentecostal, Charismatic. Pentecostal, Charismatic. No? Okay, I, I would just answer real quick, and maybe it might, you know, I don't know. Maybe we have to learn together. But basically, uh, it depends what you mean by Pentecostal. You know what I mean? The, the Pentecost happened. So Pentecostal was supposed to be like what happened at Pentecost, you know, where uh, tongues of fire came and the book of Acts and everyone uh, got filled with the Holy Spirit and everything like that, right? That's considered like the real Pentecostal moment, right? Um, so if you say that you, you, you believe in that, technically you're like, you're Pentecostal. But nowadays, it's become a denomination. And so there's a denomination that happened uh, called Pentecostal, uh, where basically it is, they, they believe in all the gifts, they believe in the signs and the wonders and the miracles and all that kind of stuff. A lot of it came out of the Azusa Street Revival uh, back in 1906, and then it branched off, went over the world, and it got so big that they actually created a denomination called the Pentecostal Church, okay? But unfortunately, a lot of denominations make some some rules and some choices, and then people start to not agree with it, and then it continues to break off from there, okay? Charismatic means overarching that you uh, believe in the gifts, that you believe in signs and wonders and miracles. It doesn't mean you have to be to that part, that denomination of Pentecostal, right? Um, and so, so that's why it kind of depends what you meant by Pentecostal, because it can mean you just believe in the gifts unless you were referring to the denomination called the Pentecostal Church. So that one would be a denomination, whereas charismatic, there is no denomination called charismatic. Uh, charismatic tends to mean all the different denominations that believe in the gifts, that believe in signs and wonders and miracles and things like that. That's at least kind of what I know it to be, unless something else, yeah. Oh, yeah, so for those who don't, I'm sorry, my Christianese, a denomination is uh, kind of a, a branch underneath Christian. So Christian, like Christianity, is Jesus is God, you're saved by grace, not by works, right? Really anything else outside of that, once you change those two things, now you're into something else. You're into Mormonism or you're into Jehovah's Witness, you're into other religions. But underneath those two core values, right, uh, you can have different expressions of of Christianity, and they're called denominations, and they usually kind of have different uh, rules or regulations or a culture or something like that. So you have Baptists, you even have the Catholic Church, you have Orthodox, you have Pentecostal, you have Lutheran, you have uh, Protestant, you have all these different ones, uh, and they're all kind of different, but they're all still underarching that umbrella of Christianity. So if you hear the word denomination, it's usually like a segment, kind of organ- not an organization, but it's like a... a, a a branch, so to speak, of Christianity, you know. Does that make sense? Cool. Okay, awesome. All right, here we go. All right, so let's see. Let's go. Let's do this one. Let's see. How do you know when your heart truly is pure, when, you tr- when you're truly not harboring unforgiveness or resentment, 
and that you have now been like, or that you may be in alignment with God. So, how, so basically, how, how do you know when you finally really aligned your heart with God and that, that it's pure and you're, you're free from your unforgiveness or resentment or anything like that? If there's someone who has an answer in a while, you have first dibs. Okay, and then we'll open up to the others. It's a great question. Really good question. Joel. I would, I guess I would say, you know, it's, um, it's not as deep and mystical and hidden as you think. Um, you know, it's, yeah, like, it's not like, oh, you know, late at night, you're like, did, like, is there sin I need to repent of? Or like, is there, like, any, like, elementary school teacher that I didn't forgive? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's I mean, I would say, you know, just, just actively God, you know, um, asking God, I would say definitely. Um, being the first thing. God, is there anyone I need to forgive? And then who comes to mind? Is there, do you hear anyone's name? Does someone come to mind? Um, and then just constantly walking in forgiveness, which is a Christianese way of saying, just practice it. Just continually making the choice. You know what? This person hurt me, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm choosing to forgive them. And then just, just, just constantly forgiving, um, practicing that actively, consistently. Um, let me see. Yeah, and as far as your heart being pure, um, I would say just just practicing, I mean, practicing the Bible, I guess you would say. Practicing, you know, walking in love, practicing, you know, loving people, practicing forgiving people, um, and just praying, um, praying for God to help you with that. Uh, and I think that's taking active steps more towards purity. Um, I like what Mike Bickley says. He says, you're defined... Um, not by, you know, what you're doing right now, but, but by the cry of your heart, by the prayer inside your heart saying, God, you know, you know, I might be struggling with this, I might be doing this, but I want that. And as you do that, you're moving more and more towards purity and you're moving more and more towards, you know, the desires of your heart and, and what you want. So uh, that's what I would say. That's perfect. Emily, did you have something to add? Um, yeah, I just think that, like, forgiveness is aligning your heart with God and like God's desire is for us to forgive people. And it says, forgive as you like, uh, forgive others as you have been forgiven. Um, and I think that, uh, that is aligning your heart with God that that is. And then the other, I've heard pastor Daniel say it was something that really like was profound to me was that like, he's like, you can like the, he was talking about his relationship with his father and he's like, I forgave my dad. He's like, and the first time I forgave him, I forgave him, but I probably had to say it another hundred times before I actually felt like I did. And sometimes, like, just because you, you forgive somebody doesn't let them off the hook, and it doesn't always mean you're going to feel that right away. Sometimes you say it over and over again, but you forgave them the first time, and you truly forgive them. You've aligned your heart with God because you're walking in that forgiveness, but it doesn't always mean it feels that way right away. Sometimes it is a process to feel that. Sometimes it is instantaneous, and you're like, oh, I feel like I've release some of this and sometimes you're like okay I know that I forgave them but I need to say it again so that I remind myself that I did if that makes sense that's really good that's really good awesome give it up for them guys that's great all right do you want a really deep question do you want to kind of surface again where are you guys at deep okay surface <laughs> surprise us we're gonna go with that I'm gonna go the crowd yelled deep so we're gonna go deep okay this one's deep here we go uh so basically, what is your view on churches that don't allow LGBTQ in the community and in their church? LGBTQ, it's like lesbian, gay, bi, I don't even know what TQ is. A cha- what is? Transsexual and queer. Okay. Okay. I didn't know the Q. I didn't know what that was. They're adding letters. So, okay. 
So uh, what is your view on churches that don't allow, I'm going to just say like the, the gay community, the LGBTQ, uh, into their church? It's a good question. It's a really good question, guys. David! All right, guys. So I think that it's really, really important to carry the heart of Jesus as Christians and strive to live a life like Christ lived. And um, I don't mean this in a bad way, but in the church and even in the world, I see a lot of brokenness in heterosexual relationships and a lot of immorality in like a heterosexual way. And I almost think that that's a larger problem and like a bigger percent of the population. So I think sometimes we single out people that are having a certain type of struggle when in reality there's a lot of struggles that we're having. And so I think that inviting these people in to the place where they can get help, inviting these people in to meet with Jesus, who is the doctor who makes us well, is actually the thing that is going to be the key for them to receive breakthrough. And so I think, and I actually mean this, I think people who come to church and consistently choose to live a sinful lifestyle, that that is a great place for that person to be. Now, there's other questions we can talk about, about leadership and things like that. But to have someone who's struggling with sin and doesn't even want to repent from it, I think the best place for that person to be is with Christians and with a community that loves them. Because that thing is going to destroy and kill their heart. Just like any, you know, if someone's having sex with their boyfriend or girlfriend in a heterosexual way outside of marriage, that is going to blow up their life so fast and they need that community to help them they need those people to lift them up and to walk them through it and so I think those are actually the people that we want in here and I think it would be great for many of us to be declaring war on sin if we're true believers we should be resisting and fighting against it but wherever they're at in their process even if they don't want to resist it even if that's who they think they are I think it's so important for them to be around a community who will speak life into them who will share love with them. And so I don't think it's just that we should say that you're allowed to come to church. I think we should actually go and find these people that are struggling with homosexuality and are having these questions about who they are because it's actually love that's going to bring a change. And there's actually a phrase that I remind myself sometimes is that you can actually love the hell out of people. And that's not, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I literally mean that you can take the darkness out of people through actually pushing love on them. And so I really think I treat those as like my friends. And I've even discipled someone who's struggling with that lifestyle and who doesn't want to get out. He wanted to know Jesus, but he wasn't ready to give up that sin in his life. And I helped walk him through that process. But it's a little bit weird. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Lauren. Um, I only just thought of this quote. I think it's from Jeff Bethke. I don't know who exactly said the quote. But um, he said how, like, the, the church isn't the hospital like for the healthy but for the sick and I immediately thought of that and it's like if we let those who are like from like the gay community if we leave them out we're we're preventing them from to get healthy like which is like that cure of Jesus so I think if we're leaving them out because of that I think it's just wrong so it's short and simple as that that's awesome yeah, give it up for them. That's great, guys. Great it up. Yeah, I, I would say uh, I totally agree with what, what they both said. Those are the very people that we need and we want in here. So please, invite them to Crux. They're always loud, you know. Uh, they need Jesus. So with me, the question is, well, then how far, when do you start saying, okay, we need boundaries? Okay, that, that comes up, right? And, it, and my answer would be the same, regardless of if they're, they're gay or not, the same for if a man came in here and was like, here, to go after women and try to pick up on women and in like a totally impure way where he was trying to like get them right. Uh, I would say like shepherd protecting my sheep, dude, you're a wolf, get out, right? 
Like, and that, that's a heterosexual man. So if a, if a gay person came in here and if they say, hey, and they confided in me, hey, I'm, I'm like struggling with this, I'm gay, like all this stuff, right? But like, I love Jesus and I need community and I want freedom and I'm trying to, I'm trying to go after God. I would say, this is where you need to be. But if a gay person came in here and was like nasty trying to pick up men, I would shepherd say, wolf, get out. Like, do you see how it's the same for both, right? And so, so there is a boundary. I wouldn't, and sometimes we can go over far and be like, oh, don't ever tell them that's wrong. Like, no, there is a, there is a healthy boundary for both, though, for the heterosexual community and for the gay community, and I would have that same standard. And I think there's also an ability to love someone, invite them, say there is a place for you at my table, however, this is sinful, right? Like in the same way if someone came up to me and said, like, I'm just continually sleeping with my boyfriend or girlfriend, right? I would say, well, you're welcome at my house. Come sit with me. But I'm also going to tell you that's wrong and it's going to blow up your life really fast, like what David yeah. said, right? So there's a way where you, I think people get mixed up uh, on love and tolerance, like in the sense of like, I don't have to toler- tolerate sin to love you, yeah. right? So I'm able to say that's wrong, but I love you. You are always welcome to my house, you know, right? Uh, and the only time you're not is if you're starting to hurt my kids, then the dad comes out and says, get out of my house, <laughs> right? Like, until you can rebuild trust and show me you're safe with my children, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, okay, come on. All righty, guys. So here we go. That was deep. Thank you for whoever wrote that. I love that. That was a good question. Okay, um, let's see. This is a good one. I think a lot of people can relate with this. Okay, we have like seven minutes left. You guys doing okay? You guys liking this? Is this all right? Okay, cool. Here we go. So this one I think a lot of people can re- relate with. It's, uh, they said, uh, I work 45 plus hours a week, okay? And then I'm also taking 38 college units this semester. I, don't even, I didn't even know that was allowed. That's crazy. Okay. And it says, is it unhealthy to push myself so hard in God's eyes? And I think this doesn't, this doesn't have to just be this specific situation. I, I think the question is really like, is it okay to push myself this hard uh, and when do I know when to take a break and, and God's view and his perception and his eyes on the whole thing, you know? So you can apply it to someone who's completely working 60 hours a week, you know? Or you can apply it to someone who, who has, you know, kind of uh, just all-encompassing just their life. is like they're pushing really hard, you know? Um, how do you know when it's time to back off versus how do you know when to keep pushing and how do you know where God's at, you know? So there's a couple really quick things that spring to my mind. Um, there's been seasons in my life where I have been beyond a full-time student and have had three jobs simultaneously, um, you know, which is like a 20-hour day, you know. Um, there's been seasons in my life where I've had no job and just some school. There's been times where I've had two jobs. And you know, like I've, I've been through the, you know, there's been seasons where I'm, I'm stewarding a very serious relationship, and that's another big time, you know, serving in the church, another big time, like, you know, whatever. Um, but I'd say just some, like some really like some really quick things um, are that really some of the things that really help me is really identifying the season you're in and asking the Lord like where He has you that season. Uh, what I mean by that is there was a season where I was working two jobs, full time student, like upperclassman for undergrad, um, and I felt like I was supposed to serve on a Christian club on campus, and I'm like that's way too much. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm already like not sleeping a ton, but Lord, if this is like, is this where you're, like, are these all the plates you want for me this season? And I felt like he was like, yes. And I was able to spin those plates. There were times it was hard, but there was a grace for it. 
There's been other times where he told me to be over here, and I'm like, no, I'll come and be over here still, and it's a train wreck, you know? Um, so I would say really just praying and asking, Lord, like, what do you have for me this season? If this is a question you have, then it's worth enough to actually pray about it and see where he wants you. At the same time, I would also say this is sometimes an area where we have real freedom in Christ. What I mean by that is I don't know if God is always up there micromanaging all of your um, decisions. Like, I really think he entrusts us to live our lives as good stewards, and I think that he does allow us a lot of freedom as long as we're within his obedience, you know? And what that means is you might be praying, saying, like, God, is this okay? Is this good? Is this bad? Do I walk through door A or door B? And the Lord says, like, look, you're only in this building because you want to be. You can walk out to that one. Like, do whatever you want um, as long as you're, like, in line with me. Um, so why I would say that is try not to over-agonize the decision and do understand that there is sometimes freedom in Christ. And where you have that freedom, exercise it as you see fit. Uh, really, like, pray about it and prioritize. Seek counsel. Ask someone to give you an objective view at your life where you're at and see if there's areas where you can let things go or take more on and um, just be open to that and kind of just use discernment. That was, that was perfect. Yeah, I think we're just going to have one answer to that so we can get to one or two more. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. I think you like, I love the last part. You just said how uh, pray about it if you have peace with God and then bring it to your council and your community. You know, if everyone in your life is like, dude, you are stressed out, you are depressed and, uh, and you're failing all these things and you're failing job, you need to take a break. Maybe be like, no, but I have peace about it. It's like, no, like your community, like, you know? So when you have peace with God over it to pray about it, but then also with your community, your mentors, the ones who love you, they can really tell you like, dude, this is way too much, you know? But if the people in your life are like, hey, it's a, tar- it's a tough season, go for it, you know? But, but there's a grace, push hard, you know? And that's okay. Here's one I know that everyone is thinking. Here we go. How do you know when you're ready to date? How do you know? when you are ready to date. Here you go, Emily. Um, I think that, like, being in communication with the Lord about it, like, you, it's really important that you ask God where you're at. And I think that you have to come to a place where you can prioritize God before you will prioritize a significant other in order for you to date healthily. So um, being at a place like where you're like, okay, God, like I know that even when someone comes into my life, I'm not going to put them before you. So I'm going to be able to like, you know, like being in a place healthy yourself and saying, am I, can I do that? Can someone come into my life right now and me not become more obsessed with them than I am with the Lord. Um, and I, and like knowing that, I think knowing that yourself and knowing where you're at. And I think the best thing you can do to steward yourself to date is to get yourself to a place where, um, God is always going to be first and God should always be 100% of your life and not like God should always be your number one. And whoever comes into your life should add to it, not like be your completion. Does that make sense? So I think like be like working towards that and like getting in that place with God will help you know when, okay, I am ready to date because I know that like I am on, in a, on a journey or I'm better in a place of making God be more important to me than someone else. Yeah, Lawrence, really quick. Um, also to tie into that too, I think it's also important to like check your heart with it and just being like, okay, like, do I want to date because I'm feeling lonely? Is it because uh, I want to get satisfied or whatever it is like like to be real like what, what what's your motive behind dating like do you just want that or are your intentions like okay I actually generally feel like 
uh, God is like wanting me to like date someone or, you know, I feel like I'm wanting to lead into marriage or whatever it may be. So I think it's just checking your heart with it. So, so good. So good. Come on, guys. That was awesome. Yeah, guys, I, and I would say almost the same answer as the one before of praying, having peace with God, and then checking with your community, the people around you. There was a, uh, uh, Chrissy and I have been dating for almost two years now, and uh, when it first started, uh, I wanted to start dating her, and I prayed, and I couldn't, <laughs> I, I honestly didn't trust, like, I was like, I don't know, like, if he's saying yes or no. So I went to my community, um, and a ba- unanimously, every person in my life, I went to five people, they all said, no, I don't think you're ready. And it sucked. I was like, really? Like, I'll ask the sixth person, you know, like, (laughs) right? I went to every person and they all said no. And they all said, I don't know what it is. I just don't feel good about it. Like, it wasn't even like a a big logical answer. It was all like, I just, that doesn't feel right, you know? And I'm like, dang it. So I waited. I just waited. And Christy and I were friends for like almost a full year. And it's like, you know, right? And you're like, and you're like, and, and then finally there was a moment when for some reason I just felt something shift in my heart and I just felt good about it. And I went to the same people and all of them, some of them was Johnson, Dominic, Emily, Pastor Daniel, Pastor, is that right? And every single one of them who had one time said no, every one of them said, yeah, I feel good about it now. Like, and it was bizarre. Like, how did all of them be like, I don't know what it is. No, uh-uh. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, I don't know what it is, but yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess I'm good now, right? You know, and I was so used to the no across the board that I was shocked when everyone said yes. And then, the, and then they had to like, push me, okay, so go ask her out now, right? And even in our relationship, it's always been submitted to God and to community. You know, we've always uh, very, been very accountable to the people in our life and to Pastor Daniel and Teresa and Tal and Dee and to our friends here. Very vulnerable, very easy, asking them the hard questions of like, okay, like, Where's boundaries at? Okay, how, how do you know when, when all these different things? Okay, how, right? And so we're just very, we're not trying to hide it. Like, put it out on the table. Put it in the light. Say, God, you can shine on this thing. Show everything in my heart, right? And, and, and bring it to community and to God, right? And a lot of times there's a lot of safety in that. If, if your community is like, dude, that guy is sketch, right? Then, then trust them, even though it sucks, right? <laughs> you know? Uh, but, and you know what I mean, right? And then, or if you just have that, like, I want this, but something in my heart, like, I feel like God's really saying this is not right. You know, go with it, right? Go with it. Like, a no means he has a better yes for you somewhere else, okay? <laughs> right? And then, and, but when your community says, yeah, yeah, or later, right? Like, it was a better yes later, later on. That no right now with, with Christy and I, it was, it was just a no then because God had something, he had a perfect timing, right, for yes later down the road, right? And so, so yeah, so, so just community in God. Honestly, you can save a lot by having the body of Christ and having community in your life. And then when they, when they say go for it, I would just say go for it and continue to have community in your life. Hold on. We, so we're, we're past over, so it's, it's 9 o'clock. Um, and so you guys, um, for I, I just want to officially release you guys if you need to go or anything. No, no shame, nothing like that. Get going and stuff like that. Um, do you guys want to do a couple more questions or where are we at? Yeah, a couple more. Cool. If you need to go, get going. Maybe we ask like two or three more questions or something like that. Is that okay? Cool. Okay, awesome. And then, yes, what's up?
answer for you. Sorry about that. Oh, hey. So every single person that you have aligned with, they have to answer for how they steward your heart. So it's not like we just sit down one day like, oh, I have a good feeling, click. They know your life. They know what's wrong with you, what's good about you. And when you submit to that, you actually honor God. Can they be wrong? Yes. But the point is that you've done your job by submitting yourself to community. If you don't do that and you still make the, you still make the, um, the decision to do that, now you're responsible on your own head about what happens in your relationship. So community brings that in. And the second thing is that, uh, that dating isn't so mystical. A lot of times you're all praying for who you want to be with when you should really be praying who you should be. And what you're praying for is like, who, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. Like I want someone that's loving, someone that prays. Do you pray? Do you love? And so a lot of times what God's answer to dating is, how are you? What's your spiritual temperature where you're at? And that's when community comes in to say, mm, you know, we love you, but you're not ready because you do this. Oh, and you have this sin that you have broken up. And you, you know, or we love you, you're ready to go. And with, when Taylor asked us, we're like, it was a no-brainer. It was like, yeah, of course. I don't know why you even asked this. It was at the point where it's like, you're ready to go. So does that make sense for y'all? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. So good. So, so good. Okay, awesome, guys. So like I said, if you need to go, get going. No worries. Uh, let's see. Because I know we still got all these, so that's why we won't do all of them. Maybe just a couple more uh, real quick, okay? Uh, let's see. We kind of already talked about that one. I'm trying to weed these out here. Okay. Um, let's see right here. So I would just say... Okay, so uh, do you guys have any tips on what to do when you have uh, fear and anxiety when it's messing with you? What do you do when you have a lot of fear and anxiety in your life? What do you do with that? That's right, these two. Um, I think for starters, uh, not being silent about it. Oh, bless you. Bless you. Um, I think it's something like I still struggle with sometimes in my life. And I think the moments where I was silent about my fear and like too scared to speak about it, it's where it eat me up. It would like eat me up inside and it made my, my fear and anxiety even worse. So I think just um, finding those who you trust in your life community and um, just being honest, being real about those fears, like, Hey, like I'm struggling with this. And like, you know, and just going through that journey of breakthrough with your fear and anxiety. And um, I also think, too, just, like, meditating on, like, different scriptures that focus on, like, fear and anxiety and literally just memorizing it. So the moment you have that fear or that anxiety, like, come in your head of whatever it may be, like, you could go to that verse and be like, you know what? It says this, so I'm going to, like, blah, 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 you know? That's good. That's good. Super good. Did you have anything extra to ask or, or add? Yeah. Yeah, so Lauren said some of the best stuff, so I'm not going to go over and say that again because that was really good. But what I do want to add to that is I really believe that you guys have the mind of Christ. And I want to take a complicated concept and make it a little bit more simple for you. If there's any thought that you think, and it doesn't sound like a thought that Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, and you're like, I don't know Jesus, then go read the book of John. But if it doesn't sound like a, I'm serious, if it doesn't sound like a thought that Jesus would have, then that thought is likely not from you. As someone who has the mind of Christ, who's a new creation in Jesus Christ, who Jesus has redeemed, forgiven your sin, and cleansed you, it's very likely that the thought that you're thinking that doesn't sound like Jesus is actually coming from a demon. 
It's actually coming from one of those lying spirits that is planting it in your mind. And I think as soon as you identify this is not my thought with this depression that I'm feeling, it's so much easier to resist it. It's not my problem. I'm not addicted to it. There is this thing that is lying to me, and I can either buy into it or I can start to fight against it. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit is that he's given me self-control, that I could manage myself and actually fight against it. So do that test with your thoughts. Is this thought a thought that Jesus Christ would think? If it's not, then it's probably from the imagination of hell, and it's something that you can resist. It's something that you can fight against. And like the movie Inception, it's much easier to fight once you identify this is not from me. And I know you might be like, dude, that's so like crazy, but it's okay. That's what it's like to have the Holy Spirit inside of you. There's not enough room for the Holy Spirit and all that old stuff in your old life. Actually, it says in the Bible in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that all the old things have passed away in our lives and everything has been made new. And I think that includes our minds and all that. Good. Come on. Amen. So good. All right, guys, we're just going to do two more. Then we'll get going. And for all the other ones we didn't get to, uh, come talk to us afterwards. Obviously, we're not afraid of hard questions, okay? So come up and, and come talk to us, okay? Um, but, but here we go. Uh, this one was kind of, um, it kind of surrounds another question. But there were, uh, what do you do when you're in a Bible study with people who are not as open to the Holy Spirit moving? And uh, it says, and, and when do you speak a spiritual truth that says they don't know what to say? But I think, I think really uh, this can apply not just for a Bible study. What do you do when you have... Christians or you have other people in your life, sure, they love Jesus, but they're really not open to the, the, the gifts. They're not really open to, uh, you know, the, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> they're, not, they're not open to uh, just some, to, to some the Holy Spirit gifts and things like that, okay? So what do you do with that? Because that could be awkward. You're like, dude, you're my best friend. We both love Jesus, but you don't believe in these gifts, and I do, and I, what, what do I do? How do you honor them if they're in the Bible study? How do you honor them, but at the same time try to open up for the Spirit to move, you know? Emily. Um, I think that if you're in, <clears throat> excuse me, especially in regards to a Bible study or a church that maybe even you're not a part of, is really to respect the culture. So if you go into a church where they're not like running around and speaking in tongues or dancing like crazy, like you honor that. You don't come in and, and do that and disturb like, you know what I mean? Because then, it, then it's a little awkward. Like I grew up in a much more conservative church. And so when I go visit my parents' church, like I don't run around and go like, hello, you know, like running around the back. Like just because like they wouldn't, like here, that's 100% awesome. There. People would be looking at me like, I am crazy. They'd be like, kick this chick out. Like, you know, like, so you just have to, I think that, and that's something like I'd heard, like Pastor Andrew and I had this discussion. He's like, you respect the culture. Like you respect the culture of where you go to. Um, I think if you're, and I think the same thing in a Bible study, like you respect the culture of the, of the environment. But I also think that it's not like, and this is just an opinion. I think it's also not like bad to necessarily like bring it up or like bring it up in a dialogue or ask people what they think about it if you feel comfortable doing that. Um, I just think, but I think like you, res my answer is just respect the culture if you're in a, like an environment like that. That's great. Yeah. Um, just kind of tying in with Emily said, I think also too is just like meeting the person or the setting wherever it is where they're at. Like, and not just like going extreme and going down their throats of like, oh yeah, like this person was manifesting, this demon came out, da 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 Because I've actually been in situations like that with like my family, like explaining about a mission trip and they would just stare at me like, what? Like, are you crazy? So I think it's just like really just like meeting at their level and just like not shoving it down their throats. 
So. Yeah. No, I, that's awesome. And, and I, I actually speak at a lot of high schools. And so there's a, there's a school I, I speak at that's a Baptist, very conservative church, right? Um, and, but we're, surprise, we're not, you know? And so, so what, what do you do, you know? And honestly, you allow, uh, you, first you listen to God. You ask the Lord. If he says, if he says to do something, then ultimately you have to be like, all right, not fear of man. I'm going to trust God, right? So that's your first cue there. But I think also when in doubt, like you just honor, honor the place you're in. But I like to push the envelope, but at the same time, honor the, the culture. So for example, uh, from the front, I didn't just start yelling in tongues or something like that, right? You know, like I didn't do that because I know it's like they're never me back, right? But what I did do is during worship time, I walked up to a, a student and I was like, hey, can I pray for you? And I just started to gently give him a word over his life. And he just broke down weeping, right? And then all the teachers were like, wow, whenever Taylor prays for our students, they get really touched. That's beautiful, right? And, and, and so God was spiritually able to move in, right? But I also honored where they were at, right? Another time too, I was preaching and this girl, uh, it, was, it was awesome. I, I, like, I wanted to go after healing and other things like that. But I just honored kind of where they were at. This girl came up to me afterwards and she says this story where she said she was shaking, like trembling. I said, what's going on? Like, you okay? And she's like, as you were talking, uh, and she was talking about smoking weed. And she's like, I've been smoking weed for years. This was a high school student. And she said, uh, and I always told God it was, you know, it was okay. Like God invented it. So why not? Right. And she's like, and I felt really convicted about it, but I tried to tell God, no, like it's okay. Like it's fine. And she said all this stuff. And she was like, She's like, and, and, and so, and I said, I just have a different thought process. It's not a big deal. She said right then as I was preaching, I don't even remember this. She said, I turned to her, looked at her and I said, uh, you need to get a new thought process. Right. And then, and then, and then I turned and started talking. Now, she came up to me trembling and she said in that moment, she heard an audible voice call her name out. Okay. She looked up because she thought I called her out, but I didn't. I was just reading. And then she heard an audible voice that pay attention. This is for you. And then right then I turned and I said, you need to get a new thought process. So I want to challenge you. And so she came up to me and then she said, and I don't know what came on me. She said, I just started weeping. She's like, look at my journal. And she went from having notes to then just scribbles. It was like a Richter scale. Just started going off on her page. Right. And, and, and she came to me like, like crying. Right. And what was awesome is the Baptist teacher said, that was the voice of God, yes. you know, right? And so, so God broke in supernaturally. He, he's still super, the spirit of God moved in that moment. And I was able to honor the culture, right? She got healed and set free. She, she gave up smoking weed. She had been doing it for years and she gave it up. In that moment, she was instantaneously healed and set free, right? But also we honored the culture. It is possible to do both. You know, yeah, 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 totally. So I would ask God, and then I would also honor the culture, you know, right? And and, and trust God to move, you know. Okay. Last question. Where did it go? Oh, you got it. Yes. Okay. Um, so this question right here. Last one. They'll get going for night. You can come up to us afterwards if you want. Okay. It says, um, "How do you become more vulnerable with God and with other relationships in your life?" So this doesn't necessarily mean like, "How do I become more vulnerable with my boyfriend or girlfriend?" But just with people. How do I take that wall down? How do I become more vulnerable with God? And how do I become more vulnerable with community and people in my life? The first one I want to ask was Joel here. Yeah, I would say two things mainly. Um, one is pray. Pray for God. Ask for it. Yeah. Really simply, Jesus said, "Anything you'll do, I'll ask." And I've seen so much just so much breakthrough and shifts in my mind and in my life, just the way I think, the way I carry myself, the way I interact with people. 
um, just from daily praying, like, God, help me with this. God, help me, th- God, help me be, uh, help me be more vulnerable with you. Help me, um, help me see you as a friend. Help me see you, you know, as a dad, as, as your, your word says, and help me in my relationship. So praying and asking for it, um, that'll work wonders. Prayer is powerful and God answers them. He absolutely does. If not now, eventually he will answer. Um, the other thing is spending time with those people. So first with God, uh, just spending just spending time with him daily. Like the more you spend time with God, the more your guard is going to go down. It's impossible for you to continue to spend time with God and still have your guard up for one, two, three, four years. It's it's not going to happen. I guarantee you. Um, I used to be like like have a fear of God like being mad at me. And this was a long time that this happened. And every day, man, I would I would hear these teachings about God being a good father and he's like a best friend and blah blah blah. And I would hear all this and continue read in in the Word and I just God, I need to see you differently. Like, I, I don't see you this way. I need to see you differently. And every day, I would spend time with him. I'd pray. I'd read the Bible. I'd stay in community. All these things. All these essentials. And now, he's, he's, he's like my best friend. I mean, now it's, to- it, it's a night and day difference. Like, I can, I can talk to him about anything. I'm not afraid. Like, he has become, in, I just know him as just like, I can be so real with him. So real with him. And it's, there's no fear. There's no any shred of fear or anything like that. And I just love it because he's, like, that's how I know him, actually, is my best friend. I mean, before, before father, before king and everything, the, I really connect with God just as, like, friend level, like, eye to eye. Uh, and, of course, you know, he's God. He's the creator. He's king. Yeah, I get it. But I can be so real with him. <laughs> but, yeah, that's my point. It's like, I'm just, you know, I can just be myself. And the more time I spend with him, the more I... Um, I'm, the more I am myself, you know, the more I'm comfortable being myself with other people. Um, uh, and then spending time with, you know, that same amount of time, first spending that much time with God, and then uh, spending a lot of time with the people you want to be vulnerable with. Uh, because the in relationship, again, the guards are going to come down the more you spend time with someone. That's how best friendships are, you know, cultivated. The more you spend time with them, the more you start opening up and telling them, you know, more of how you feel or you're, you know, your guard goes down, is my point. Um, so spending time with them and then asking God, you know, and the whole, like, the whole sanctification, uh, redemption, and mind renewal process. That, I've seen that in my life to a crazy degree. I mean, people know me like I wasn't the same person, yeah. Like two, three years ago, I was not the person I am today at all. And I, that's what I've been doing is pursuing God, staying in the Word, staying in community, um, asking God every day, and just pursuing these things. And I'm, I'm not the same. I'm transformed. Like, this stuff really happens. It's true. He is not the same at all. Awesome. Did, uh, anything to add? All good? Yeah? Cool. All right. Well, I just agree 100% with what Joel's had. And, like, I I love what he said because he testifies about it. But just as someone who's been in his life for, like, almost half a decade now, like, he really, he really lives what he said there. You know what I mean? And I've seen so much growth. And now he's a leader for you guys, you know, and he's just so well suited for it. Um, but yeah, like I think with vulnerability, like with the Lord, it's kind of a funny concept because I, I, I totally understand like the kind of like fear of the Lord of like not wanting or feeling unable to really approach him with things. Um, but there's also the very practical sense of like he already knows. Like, he knows everything, you know? It's, it's, it's like if we're, like, a little kid and you're in, like, the pantry or something and there's a broken cookie jar on the floor and a trail of cookie crumbs leading up to your mouth and your mom's like, 
want to talk? You know, you still have cookies in behind your back, too, and it's like, she already knows, <laughs> you know? But you might be scared to be like, hey, I ate the cookies, but it's like, you know? Um, I bring that up because it's kind of this thing of, like, sometimes we, we psych ourselves so much. We psych ourselves out so much because there's a real fear of a living God that's so powerful. But it, as Christians, we also sometimes forget that, like, he's a good father, you know, and he already knows, you know? And the longer we put ourselves in the penalty box or stay away from him, the kind of worse off we are from it, you know? Um, there's nothing we can say or think or do that's going to surprise him or throw him off or something that he doesn't know. And there's not a single thing we could do that would make him not love us and pursue relationship with us just as much as he always has wanted to and always will. Um, so with the Lord, that's what I have to say with that. Uh, with community, I, I really just, I, I really believe in glass house living. I think it's so much easier. Um, I think surrounding yourself, especially if vulnerability is something hard for you, surround yourselves, even if it's really difficult, in a safe place to do it. You know, um, really, like, you know, and especially for really sensitive issues or if it's kind of your first time really pressing in for that, I even recommend groups that are largely your same gender uh, just because I think it's easier and safer to guard your heart and be vulnerable and learn, like, you know, not that you, like, avoid the other sex, you know, but especially if you're, you don't really know where the lines are for vulnerability, a really safe place is, like, if you're a woman, find an amazing, supportive women's group you know, or really supportive guys group. And sometimes in there, it's a really good stepping stone to knowing where you can be vulnerable uh, with a co-ed group, you know, um, because, you know, with vulnerability, like, it's, it's really important to just be also guarding your heart. Um, and I also want to just, as my very last word, I want to challenge the people that vulnerability is, is not too hard of a thing. Or like Joel, are totally transformed or just, just moving it. Um, I would challenge you to do what I've always really tried to do with it, which is uh, lead with vulnerability. Um, I really find that vulnerability begets vulnerability. Um, if this is not an issue for you, please try to sympathize that sometimes this is the most crippling, biggest issue for some. And you want to welcome those people into your community because you love them and they have so many valuable things for your group, you know? And you just, you know, they're amazing. And so I want to actually leave with the challenge of like, if you don't struggle with vulnerability, then you have a responsibility to lead with it. And really, um, you know, I had some people that said I scared them vulnerable. Like, maybe not that far. Um, but really lead with vulnerability. You know, if you, if you find yourself in a group where people are kind of closed off, be the first one to, like, you know, while guarding your heart and being wise with that, um, offer to share. You know, honor, honor people's boundaries, too. If they don't want to share, like, I, I agree with Pastor Taylor. Like, it's really good to challenge. Um, but also, you know, be sympathetic. Don't push. <laughs> you know, build community, build relationship, build trust. You know, I, I personally believe we have one of the safest communities here to do that. Uh, but if you're just checking us out, watch us for a while. You know, watch us, see how we are with one another, and just stick around. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll win you. <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, and, and I, I just want to say, like, we just, we love you guys, and vulnerability um, is hard for some, but um, it's amazing. And, like, like, with the Lord and with others, like, being known um, is so important <laughs> for everyone. So um, you guys are great. And uh, we'll pass it back to Pastor Taylor. All right, guys. Well, can you give it up for our Revivalist panel? These awesome, amazing people up here. Guys, these are awesome, amazing leaders. I want to encourage you, any one of these people, I would trust 
to be vulnerable with. And so if you if that's you, also with these questions, there's a lot up here we didn't get to, some about dating or moving in with people or, or, or other, there's other ones about like science questions or deep theological questions. Go to these guys up here. They're obviously not afraid of it, right? So, so go up to them, talk to them about relationship stuff, talk to them about theological stuff, talk to them about all that stuff. These are the ones who are here for you to say, let's be vulnerable and, and, and you can trust them, you know? Like I would trust my heart with every single one of these here, you know? And so you guys can too, okay? Um, but let's just stand up together. Let's pray us out and then we'll get going for tonight. And if you have more questions, come up and talk to us afterwards, okay? Or talk to somebody here, all right? Awesome. But Lord, we love you, God. We thank you. Uh, the whole point of tonight was community, was family, God, was being able to uh, approach hard questions in a safe environment, Lord. So Lord, I pray that, that that's what happened tonight. God, I pray that there would be an impartation of your family tonight in this uh, group, God, that we would not just be a college uh, young adult group, God, but that we would really become a family, ones that can be vulnerable, ones that aren't afraid to ask hard questions, ones that are not afraid to be vulnerable, God. God, we came to this place to connect with you and to connect with others, God, who are going after you. So I pray that you would open our hearts to connect with each other. God, we thank you for what you did in this revivalist series, God. We thank you for all the things we learned. We ask that you would solidify it into our heart, God. And we're so excited and so expectant for this next season and what you're going to teach us. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsanmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.